Father, uh, we do uh, look forward tonight, God. We pray that you would once again speak to us as we kind of learn about who we are as a church and, and God, your desire for us and, and how we need to uh, follow you and be sensitive. God, I pray that, that, again, it would just not be a head knowledge, but it would be heart knowledge. That, Lord, we would understand, just as we sing in some of those songs, we'd understand, uh, God, that we are a new creation. We'd understand your love for us. We'd understand, God, that, that there's an order to things, and, and God, you're not a God of chaos, but you're a God of order. So I do pray that you would bless this time and open up our hearts to receive from you, and God, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. As we're looking at this, tonight Peter's kind of, he just told us in the last study we did that judgment begins in the house of God. Now he kind of shifts and goes into the whole idea and is going to talk a little bit about the responsibility of church leaders and then the responsibility of those who are not church leaders to be responsible to the church leaders and, and doing those things. As he talks about church leaders, again, it seems like there's always been a failure in that area, and that's kind of a bummer. You can read for homework. Read Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 talks about the shepherds of, of Israel who failed miserably and, and God rebuked them and what's gonna happen and, and you can read that. Then it also talks about the great shepherd and we'll talk about that a little later on. But listen, it's not new that church leadership fails and you might not call that church leadership but you know what I mean, spiritual leadership. And we need to understand that and I think it fails because a lot of times People are not in that position because God has placed them there. They're in that position because man has placed them there. And, you know, I think we get it all so messed up when we start doing that. And I know it's hard. Listen, I know it's difficult at times when we look at things to trust God to move and trust God to do things. I found in my years of ministry, though, man, it really pays off to wait for the Lord and wait for him to do things and not get ahead of him, and even in the area of church leadership. So we have to be careful. So Peter's gonna talk about that, and Peter's gonna talk about it again from Peter's experience. When we think of Peter, Peter has kinda failed miserably and succeeded greatly, right? He's kinda that guy. And again, I think we learn a lot from our failures and not trusting the Lord and not doing things, and it causes us to grow. And some, listen, sometimes people think, well, we gotta do away with them or disqualify them. That's not always the case. It's sometimes failure causes us to grow. And again, Peter denied the Lord, so kind of keep that in mind and what's going on there, and then he was restored. So let's look at verse one, or the beginning of verse one, and he says, the elders who are among you I, who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder. So here's, here's him starting, and here's what he's saying. I want to talk to you elders. I want to talk to leadership right now. And he says, I'm coming at it from one who is a fellow leader. I kind of like the idea. Listen, he doesn't claim to be above everybody. He doesn't claim to be the first pope. He doesn't claim to even here. He doesn't even claim his apostleship, does he? He says, I'm a fellow elder. So here's what he's saying. I'm talking to you as one who's in the same position, who's, uh, uh, you know, somebody who's walking beside you, and I want to share with you. And I want you to hear. I want you to hear my heart. And again, I'm not somebody above you. I'm not somebody below you. I'm right there with you. And I like that idea that Peter does that. So he's gonna talk to elders. Who are the elders? Again, it's kind of interesting, and we're gonna see he uses the term elder, overseer, interchangeably, and how did that, you know, who are they? How does that take place? I believe biblically there's three different terms used for the same person, elder, overseer, and pastor. It's used through, through, through scripture. I think he's talking about the same people. Now sometimes not all elders are pastors, but all pastors are elders, and all elders and pastors are overseers. God has given them oversight over the church. Now, sometimes elders are elected. Some churches, ours is not one of them, are congregationally run, and you choose and you elect and you put into position. 
And that can be okay, that's not how we choose to function. And then some elders are appointed by other elders and put in that position. But something we need to realize, anyone who's an elder is first and foremost called by God. And God has called them in that position. It's not, listen, it's not something, something that you, you, and we're gonna look that you strive to attain for. It's something, this is how God has put you together and this is who you are. And I believe here in our ministry, what we do is we recognize what God has done. We don't make elders. We don't really, quote, appoint elders. We recognize, okay, God has put this person in this position. Again, whether it's an elder on on our board or whether it's a pastor, we're recognizing what God has already done and look at that person and then put them in a place where they can serve and and where they can uh, be part of the ministry. So listen, he says, as one of your contemporaries, listen, I'm a fellow elder. And Peter's been through it. He says, and, now listen what he says, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So, I was gonna say John. Peter, Peter's writing this, right? Yes. We're in Peter, not John. So Peter, Peter's again, writing this from the perspective of what has happened in his life. Now, you can read for homework again. I'm gonna give you a lot of homework tonight. You can read John chapter 21, where Peter has blown it and then God restores him. And that's an important thing. He, he understands, listen, God has placed me in a position of tending the flock, taking care of the flock. And again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Why are you asking me again? Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Oh, I'm really bummed that you asked me three times, but I understand that I denied you three times, so that's probably what we're doing here. That's not really what happened, but listen, that's kind of what's going on, right? And then he says, feed my sheep. So listen, Peter has that understanding. I'm a fellow elder, and then he has this understanding. Listen, I have witnessed the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker. When I think about him talking about the sufferings of Christ, in Matthew chapter 16, Peter told Jesus he wasn't gonna have to suffer. Remember, Peter's like, no way, man. That is not not on my watch. I'm Peter, right? And Peter was so wrong about that. And then, listen, now later in his life, he says, listen, I witnessed the sufferings. I saw what happened. And I don't think he's talking about just dying on the cross, although that was a huge thing. I think he's talking about through ministry and what was going on. And then he also, listen, then he also talks about, listen, not only did I see that, he says, but also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Now listen, I kind of like that whole idea. Here's what he's saying. I'm also somebody who, didn't he partake of the glory? Remember when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration? How cool that had to be, right? I mean, you go up on a mountain with Jesus and you're kind of hanging out and all of a sudden a cloud comes down and then there's this voice from heaven and saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And then a couple guys show up. It always cracks me up when they say, who, who showed up? Remember who showed up? Moses and Elijah. Now, I gotta be honest. How did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Like, did they have name tags? They show with a little lanyard, I'm Moses, I'm Elijah. They didn't have pictures of them. I mean, do you ever wonder that? That's, I guess that's just me. Every time I read that, I think, how do you know it was Moses and Elijah? Obviously, they revealed themselves, right? And they did that. So, and then remember the glory, and then remember what Peter did up there? Again, Peter, my favorite guy, right? What did Peter say? Lord, it is good for us to be here. Really, Peter, you think? Every time I, I just hear that, I think, really, you think it was good for you to be here? Like, Peter, you're Captain Obvious, right? It's like you stay, and then, and then remember what he said? We need to build tabernacles. We need to stay here forever, man. We need to build three tabernacles. And Peter just goes, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus goes, oh, Peter, 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 Peter. So, listen, I've seen his suffering and I've seen his glory, and I'm a partaker of that glory. Peter, listen, man, Peter had the ups and downs and in-betweens, and he says, I'm walking with the Lord. So now, listen, so here's what he's saying. 
I, a fellow, fellow elder and someone who witnessed the suffering and then also the glory that will be revealed. So here's who I am and here's what I've witnessed and I want you to know, then he says this, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. So first of all, serving as overseer. So here's what he's saying. You need to shepherd, you need to tend, you need to take care of that flock. Unlike the bad shepherds in Ezekiel 34, unlike others who you've witnessed in their own lifetime, he says you need to tend, you need to make sure. The idea of pastoring is so huge. I think if you look at it and you begin to define it, there's nobody qualified to do it. And so Peter's letting him know, listen, man, you have this opportunity that God has put in front of you that you need to take care of people. Your responsibility is to make sure spiritually people are taken care of and have good oversight. And that's, listen, I think that's, to me, just mind-boggling to think about. And he's saying you need to feed them. And that whole idea of shepherding and you look up the word in the original, it has to do with tending, taking care of, has to do with feeding, has to do with leading. And here's the thing we need to realize. We're from Arizona, right? We understand cowboys, right? And what do cowboys do? Cowboys drive cattle. You don't drive sheep. You lead sheep. Huge difference. And I see a lot of people failing in ministry because they want to drive people. They want to, they want to act like they're, a, you know, this yippee-ki-yo cowboy, and you got to do this, and I'm going to drive you to do that. Here's what he's saying. You need to shepherd, and if you're going to shepherd, guess what you have to do? You have to go in front of. And you have to, you don't ask anybody to do anything you wouldn't do, and you lead them into that, and you take them into that. And I think that's one of the greatest misunderstandings of ministry, and I'm thinking more of a pastoral role in ministry, an elder role, an overseer role, is I see way too many people in those positions who are not willing to lead and shepherd and be that way. And part of it is the culture we live in and where we're at, not just the culture in, in, in Arizona, but just our culture in general. And we're gonna see in a minute, a lot of it has to do with submission, it has to do with mutual submission. But listen, he's saying, I want you guys in here. Hear the heart of Peter. Peter, again, he's been way up here and he's been way down here. He's made the mistakes. I want you to shepherd the flock. Shepherd those who are under you. And he says, man, listen, I want you to shepherd them which is among you serving as overseers. Again, there's a responsibility to make sure that people are, quote, tended and taken care of, but there's also a responsibility to make sure they're in the right way. Do you understand that sheep are some of the, uh, I don't, I don't want to say dumbest, but yeah, they're, they're some of the dumbest animals. And sheep just don't get it. You start studying about it, and listen, sheep will just wander off, and then when they get wandered off, you know, like your dog can find its way home, right? Generally. Some of you are going, not my dog. You need a new dog then. Listen, but usually, you know, or, you know, animals find their way. Most animals find their way home, right? Not a sheep. If a sheep goes off, it's lost. It has like no built-in GPS. And it gets lost, and then it doesn't know what to eat. Sheep will eat poisonous food. Sheep are just, they're not, they're not, they're not wise. And it's interesting that God compares us to sheep, isn't it? I mean, hey, from God's perspective, he's like, duh. But Listen, you have to oversee, and you have a responsibility, and you have that, listen, you have that position where you gotta make sure they're taken care of. You gotta make sure if they wander off, they come back. You gotta make sure if they're gonna drink something that's gonna poison them, that you make sure they don't do that. And again, you have to, you have to tend. So, hey, there's, there's a lot of work involved in shepherding, whether you're talking about sheep, and I think people. So he says, listen, so, Serving as overseers. Notice he uses the word serving. And we need to understand that. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. People who are in a position in the church of leadership are serving. 
They're serving where God has placed them. They're doing what God has called them to do. And I think we need to understand, they're, listen, they're no different than any other servant doing what God has called them to do. They're busy about the ministry that God has given them. So he says, serving in that way. And now he's gonna make sure that they don't lose sight of this whole idea of serving. So he says, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. You don't get put in that position because, ah, okay, nobody else will do it, I'll do it. Or you don't do it because, well, it's a stepping stone, and it's a stepping stone to something else. You do it because God has allowed you this place to do it, and it's a blessing, and it's a privilege to be able to serve where God has placed you. And you look at it that way. Once you lose sight of that, every, you know, everyone I see that kind of can fail in an area of ministry is when they start thinking they're all that and they should be there. Listen, anytime you're serving in a position of, of I think, leadership, and I think especially pastoral ministry, you need to be careful. You need to understand. You're not doing it out of compulsion. I don't come to church because I have to. I come to church because I get to. And I serve because I get to. And because God's opened a door and I get to. I love coming to church. I love what I'm doing. You know, some people, you know, whenever, whenever I'm filling out any kind of thing and it says, what's your occupation? I always want to put, I don't have one. Because this is not an occupation. It's a calling. I, I want to cross it out and put calling in there. And when you don't understand that, listen, when you don't understand that, you're gonna have problems. You're gonna have problems in your ministry. You have problems with what you're doing. And he says, listen, man, you don't do this out of compulsion, but you do it willingly. It's a blessing and a privilege. So that's the first thing. He says, be careful that you're not there because you have to be there, but you're there because you want to be there and you're allowed to be there. So number one, what's he doing? Remember, what's Peter doing? Exhorting. And he's exhorting fellow elders and he's saying first and foremost that's number one number two he says that you don't do it for dishonest gain but eagerly oh you don't do what you're doing for money no and again it depends on different now listen i know there's some ministries and and some you know movements and denominations that that you get paid by the degree you have and you know you get continuing education, you get a little bit more money. I think that's weird. Personally, I just think that's weird. Probably I think it's weird because I wouldn't get any money because I don't have a degree. So that's kind of that's weird to me. But listen, I just think that's odd. If you're called by God, you're called by God. You're gonna do what you do. And you know what, to me, again, the, the, the earning the money, obviously we all need money to live, right? We have to exist. So I kind of get that, but I, I don't do what I'm doing for the money. I don't show up because I'm gonna get a paycheck. I believe that, you know, for me, that's just kind of a, a bonus of doing what I do. And, and listen, once again, I understand. I gotta have money to survive, right, in our world and, and et cetera. And I guess you all could just give me food in a house and that'd be okay. But listen, he says, you don't do it for gain. I believe there's a lot of people, especially in some of our modern culture and modern churches, where they're caught up in the idea of monetary gain, how much they can make, what they can do, and the whole idea of, I call it the rock star pastor idea. There's a lot of that that goes on. I think Peter would be really disappointed. Don't you? I think Peter, just, just what he says, man, listen, you don't do what you do for dishonest gain. You're not doing what you do just for money. Now again, I understand we need it, but that, that's not the driving purpose. When I went into ministry, man, I got paid very little. And when I went into full-time ministry, I got paid little. <laughs> and you don't, you don't start out, hey, I'm doing this because I'm gonna make some bucks. I'm doing this because God has called me, because he's opened up a door, and he allows me to do it. And again, the money is, is nice, and I'm, you know, I'm at a place in my life where you know, it's nice to have money, it's nice to have a, a position that's being paid, but man, you don't do it that way. And then he, I like it the way he says, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. You should be eager about 
doing what you're doing, especially as a leader in a church. This should be something like, yes. Like I say, I look forward. I look forward to Thursdays. I look forward to Saturday nights. I look forward to Sunday. Because those are the time I get to do what I do. Those are the times, yes. And those are the times, listen, I put in the hours. I put in the time. I've studied. I don't think there's anything worse than a pastor who's off doing stuff all week long and then shows up and steals somebody else's message and just borrows from somebody. Listen, you gotta put in time, you gotta put in the effort. And you know, and and I do that. I, I love it's crazy. I love studying. I've shared with you guys before. When I was in school, I hated studying. I thought school was a social activity. I thought you just went to hang out with people and go to lunch. And class has kind of gotten away of that. Yeah, I just had to avoid them as much as possible. So listen, and then, and then I get saved, and God gives me a desire to study. Just kind of blew my mind, you know, in the beginning. Now I love to study. I love to spend that time. And, you know, here, here the staff knows here. If my door's shut, that means I'm busy. It means I really want to study. And generally, people will not interrupt unless it's something important. I know. My door's shut. When I first came to Calvary Sierra Vista, the pastor before me kind of had a more of an open door policy. I guess he didn't have quite as much of ADD as I do, although I think he had it, but not, not quite as bad. And so for me, listen, if I don't shut my door, I'm, I'm like listening to, do you guys listen to other conversations? <laughs> like I'm listening to other conversations, or if I hear something going on, I don't want to be the one. I like tacos, right? I want to be the guy that's there, so I got to go invite myself in because the people are doing stuff, so I got to do that. So listen, if I don't shut my door, I'm off doing that stuff, and I'm like, I'm that person, so I have to shut my door, and I remember when I first came, I would shut my door, and, and, and one, of the, one of the people working in the office at that time, I think we had all of one person working in the office, so that one person said, oh, you're a, you're a pastor that shuts their door, and I go, what does that mean? And they go, well, you know, Bob did never shut the door. And I go, okay. But if I don't, I won't study. And that's what I'm called to. That's my position. That's, and so I'm going to put in time. But I eagerly do that. Listen, once again, I don't go to my desk and go, oh, man, i got to read these stinking books. i got to study. i got to do the inductive study. i got to figure out what this means. I, gotta, I mean, I'm eager to do that. And do you hear what he's saying? And then we're eager to lead. We're eager to serve. So he says, you don't do it for money. You do it for that. And then, listen, there's one more thing. He says, verse five, not being lords over those entrusted to you. Oh, that's the hard one, right? You're not lords over. You're not this demanding person. Again, you're not acting like, you serve me. Leaders are servants. And hey, they do have to sometimes as a leader and overseer, you have to rebuke. You have to do things. But listen, you don't do it from a position of I'm up here. You do it from a position of you come alongside somebody and you go, hey, you, let me help you out of this place. Let me help you out of that position. You don't Listen, you'd never lord it over them. And again, that's one of the things that kind of bugs me when, when some people, you know, have right reverend so-and-so. What on earth does that mean? You know, or when, and some, sometimes people will call me, and occasionally we get mail, even at the house, I'll get mail sometimes to the reverend. I'm thinking, who is that? I always want to take it to my neighbor. Here, this must be yours, because I don't know who they're writing. Right? That's just weird. And I understand some of it's just out of respect and doing things. But listen, man, you're not somebody, you're not somebody lording it over. And listen to what Peter says. Those entrusted to you. Have you kind of picked up the idea in these first couple verses that God is letting leaders know through Peter that the people in a fellowship that those people are his people, not their people. Are you picking up on that? Over the flock that has been entrusted to you. Now he says, listen, over those who are entrusted, God trusts us to take care of those people. That's pretty huge when you think about it, right? It's like God saying, okay, take care of these. Oh, I don't really want to. 
It's like a heavy responsibility, right? Because you're gonna give an account. So he says, listen, man, you don't lord it over them. Remember when the disciples, we talked about this, and, and actually this is one of the times Peter was not involved. Remember the two brothers, James and John? Hey, Jesus, we're thinking we're pretty big shots. So can one of us sit on your left and one of us sit on your right because we want to be in power. And Jesus goes, you guys, who did I pick to follow me? And he goes, you don't even know what you're, I, I love it. Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking. You're like, come on. I told you sheep are dumb, right? And he says, you don't even know, you don't even know what you're talking about. And then he says, no, bottom line. And then he says, listen, the Gentiles lord it over those. But you're not to be like the Gentiles. You're a servant. You're coming as a servant. And that's exactly what Peter, obviously Peter learned that lesson, lesson without having to be one of the mistake guys, right? One of the times in his life. And, and listen, man, he goes, do not lord it over those entrusted to you. Now listen careful, but being an example to the flock. Oh, as a leader, you're supposed to be an example to the people. What does that mean? Listen, it doesn't mean Oh, you know, when I show up here, I'm a really good guy. It means with my life, I'm an example. Whether I'm here, whether I'm at home, whether I'm out in the community, that I'm supposed to be an example. And listen, that's huge, right? And you're supposed to be an example to people. You're supposed to not, again, you're not just pushing them, you're leading them. Here's how I'm gonna live my life. I wanna encourage you. So, you know, I know, I know sometimes you know, as leadership, we need to ask ourselves, what if everybody in the church did their Christianity like I do? What would the church look like? That's kind of frightening, huh? Now, some of you are going, that's why I'm not a leader. I don't have to do that. No, I think we all kind of have that responsibility, don't we? What if everybody gave the way you gave? What if everybody prayed the way you prayed? What if everybody served the way you served? And again, more so on leadership, but I think that goes for everybody. So he says, listen, now you're an example. So he's, he's kind of, listen, he's kind of done, but not really because listen to what he says, verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, oh, there's gonna be a chief shepherd? Yeah, he's gonna show up. And when the chief shepherd appears, here's what he says. You will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Oh, wow. Now, I know a lot of us maybe really like the idea of a crown, but remember, in Revelation, he says when you get those crowns, and if you get a whole bunch of them, good on you, but what are you gonna do with those crowns? You're gonna cast them at his feet. But we do what we do so that we can hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. But we always need to remind ourselves, whether we're in leadership or not, we need to remind ourselves, first and foremost, this body of believers is God's body of believers. He is the chief shepherd. He just allows us to like pretend that we're doing something important so we can feel a little bit better about it, but they're his, right? And he says when the chief, when Jesus, what's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus showing up. You know, it's interesting, Jesus here is called the chief shepherd in Ezekiel 34 that I told you to read for homework. There's some really bad shepherds, but then he's called the true shepherd. In John 10, he's called the good shepherd. And in Hebrews 13, he's called the great shepherd. So listen, we need to understand, there's, there's like Jesus is the shepherd. You know, sometimes I, I joke about I'm the interim pastor and the real pastor is going to show up someday, which I kind of I kind of do really think that. But I also believe who's the real pastor? Jesus. He's going to show up someday, and he's going to be here. So here's what he's saying. You guys, and he's talking to elders, do what you do and do it well and do it with everything you have. Don't let it be something that you're forced into. Don't feel obligated. You do it because you get to do it. You're not doing it for money. You're not doing it for gain. You're not lording it over people. You're just doing what God has called you to do. You're in that position so that when he shows up, he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
I want to be, listen, man, I want to be that person that I'm busy about what God has put, me to, uh, put for me to do. I want to be busy about that when he comes. And I think we all kind of want that, right? The worst thing in the world, and I say it all the time, you don't want to be sinning when Jesus shows up. Because you're going to be in the middle of a sin, he's going to show up, and you're going to go, whoa, I did not expect you. And he's going to say, obviously, right? And you're going to have to deal with that little bit of awkwardness for a while. And it's just going to be awkward. I want it to be one of those times where, woo, hi. I was, Jesus, I was just talking about you. I can't believe, and here you are, and, right? So listen, he says, man, be that person. So Peter kind of lays that out, but he's not done. Listen, because it's not just, listen, it's not just about church leadership. It's about all of us, right? So look at how he shifts. Listen, listen how he shifts. Verse five, likewise. What does likewise mean? Likewise is almost like therefore, right? He says, I just laid out everything for the leadership. Now let's talk about all of us together in this thing we call the church and Christianity. So just like leadership has responsibilities, Leadership has to have the right attitude and the right actions and placed in that place. Just like them. So likewise, listen what he says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Now, listen, I don't think elders in five, in chapter, in, in verses one through four, are necessarily always talking about old guys. You can have a young person who's a good leader. And you know, and you can have an old person who's a good leader. So I don't think I don't think elders here is representing old, and I don't even think in verse five necessarily. And you know, I think he's addressing younger people in a sense of not age, but maturity in the Lord and where they're at. He says, I want you younger people, so and then I'm gonna also say all of us, listen, he says, you need to be people, you need to submit yourself to your elders. Wow. Do you know this is like the third or fourth time Peter's brought up submission? I know it's something we don't like. We're in the United States of America. We have freedom. We don't have to do those things, right? We can be our own person. The Constitution gives me rights to do things. The Bible tells you submit. Oh, that Bible gets in the way of life. And we don't like that word. We don't, we don't listen. I don't think it's just hus- in, in the area of husbands and wives. We just don't like that word. And yet, a lot of us, we like pretend. Well, yeah, I'll submit to you. Uh, I don't think so. No, for real, I'll do it. No, I don't think so. Number one, submitting's not agreeing. Because a lot of us, Listen, that's how we put it. I'll submit as long as I agree with what you say. The minute I don't agree with what you say, I am so out of here and I am so done with you. That's not submitting, that's called agreeing. Submitting means it doesn't matter whether you agree with them or not, whether you like what they say or not, you submit. You do that. And I know that's scary. Listen, I know even some of you, some of you right now, you give me dirty looks. Stop it. That's what submission is. And he says you need to do that. Now, listen carefully. We're going we're gonna to go on in this in a minute, and we're going to find out if you're not submitted to God, you're not going to submit to others. And let's flip that around a little bit. If you refuse to submit to the authority God has placed, you're not going to submit to God. You're just fooling yourself. You're just using verbiage and double talk and doing things. Did you, did you hear about, I, I gotta say this, did you hear about the double talk that came out? I think it was today, maybe yesterday on Twitter. Do you know that the pro-choice people said to no longer use the word choice because it's a bad word? Seriously, I'm not making that up. Go on Twitter and find out. Pro-choice coalition said do not use the word choice. It's kind of like us, listen, we quit letting words mean things and we start redefining them and wanting to do things. And we're in that same culture and we kind of buy into it and it's infiltrated into our lives. Listen, don't use the word submit if you're not gonna submit. Years ago, I had a guy come to me and he said, listen, Pat, I really wanna serve with you. And I go, no, nah, I don't, this is, no. I know you. Hey, I've been around him for a long time. And I said, I know it's not going to work. It will never work. No, seriously, I want to do it. I go, it's not going to work. 
He says, no, really, man, I mean it. I mean, I am going to submit to you. I said, you can't even spell submit. I said, you do not understand that word. You think it means something, but you redefine it, and it's not going to work. No, really, I am. No, you're not. You're not going to. Then he got mad at me. And I go, see? (laughs) Right now, right now, look at what's happening. And so here's what he's saying. We need to submit to church leadership. Now, I know the first thing people say, what if they're wrong? Why do you go there? Why do we go there? God is in charge, right? And God is in charge of them, and he's in charge of them. So listen, you need to submit. Now, now I understand, if somebody's wrong, you need to talk to them about being wrong. But why do we go there right away? Because we don't want to submit, that's why. Because we're afraid to do that, so we go there right away. So listen, he doesn't say you need to submit when you agree, you need to submit when you like them, you need to do that. He goes, you need to submit. Now listen, as he goes on, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Oh, let's kind of get in this together. Let's all be submissive. Let's, let's work this out. Now, again, I understand there's leadership, and he's not saying leadership is always submitting, but leadership needs to be somebody you're listening and you're, you're part of. We're in this thing together. We're gonna work through this together. And then notice what he says, because here's the important part. He says, listen, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, Oh, 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 you want me to put on humility? Don't you know who I am, Lord? I'm awesome. Now you need to put on some humility. It's interesting, I guess in the kind of the original language and maybe the original context, it was like Peter is saying you need to put on the clothes that the slaves are wearing. You need to put yourself in that position. That's a whole idea. And remember, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all, right? You put yourself that way. So we need to put that on. And you're not gonna submit until you put on some humility because if you're, if you're not putting on, if you're not a person who's humble, you're gonna think you're better than you are and you're gonna think you're better than that person, that stupid person God put over me. I don't know what they're doing and I'm, If I were king of the jungle, here's what I would do. That's not putting on humility. That's intense, isn't it? And, you know, I know know sometimes people will tell me, like, I'll I'll tell somebody, hey, I need to see you. Can you make an appointment and come in or something? And they get all freaked out. And they think, oh, what did I do? And I don't think I'm that intimidating because I know me. I know who I am. I'm a person like, I don't, I don't, I don't intimidate myself. I know that sounds kind of weird. But listen, man, I know who I, why would you be intimidated by me? I'm the guy on the playground that never got picked. I'm the dork guy, right? Well, so why? Why on earth would you do that? And Gaynell goes, because you're in a position of authority. Oh, I didn't realize that. So do you get my point? I don't think of myself in this great position of authority. When we were in Israel, we had, a, we had a testing to be able to come back into this great country. So they did the testing, and I didn't do the testing because I was gonna leave a day or two later. And so I'm up having breakfast, having a good time, and somebody came up to me and they go, hey man, some people are testing positive. You probably should go check that out. So I go downstairs into the thing, and, and I'm looking and I'm talking to the guide, and the guy doing the testing, and, and they go, yeah, here's a list of people that tested positive. You need to go get them and bring them back. So I go into the cafeteria or into the dining hall with this list, and I got this list. I'm dumb. Like, I'm thinking, I got a list, and I'm just like a happy guy talking to people. Hey, and everybody's going, I so don't want that. I'm not going to look at you. I don't want you to, they're, they're thinking, you're gonna, you're gonna come up and tell me I tested positive. I'm not, or, and I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just going up to people going, hey, you tested positive, you need to go downstairs. Hey, you tested positive, you need to go downstairs. And everybody else is going, don't come to my table. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> Put on humility. Do you see what I'm talking about? 
We can approach people from the area of I'm king of the jungle or I'm just with you in this and I wanna help you through it. You put on humility, then you have that submission. And until you have that humility, you're not gonna submit. And then check out what he says. Listen, what does he say? God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. How many of you love that proverb, right? It's like, Micah, Micah 6.8 says this. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. Yes, yes. That's what Peter, and don't you think Peter learned this? Remember Peter who cut off the guy's ear? Remember Peter who told Jesus, I would never deny you? Remember Peter who says, I'm the rock? Don't you know who you're talking to? That stuff's not gonna happen to you. Hey, Peter had to get knocked off of all of that pride. All of that pride got wiped away when this happened. Oh, no. And his world crashed, didn't it? It crashed. And his life was changed forever. Because at that point, Peter put on humility. Hey, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about. He knows what it is to be a prideful individual, to be that resistive individual, and he knows what it is to put on humility. And he's saying, that's what we need to do. Listen, not just leadership, not just us as part of the body, all of us need to put that on. We need to wear that and we need to walk in that because here's what's gonna happen. Listen to what he says. He says, you know, God gives, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Really humble yourselves. Be somebody, you're gonna be humble before God. You're gonna come before him broken and understand he's God, you're not and how great he is. And then, listen, why? Why do you do that? Because then he may exalt you in due time. I like that part. It's in his timing, not your timing. Because I think that exaltation's not gonna come while we're here in the flesh. Because if it comes while you're in the flesh, then you're gonna think you're all that again, and you gotta deal with the whole thing again, and it's just like a vicious cycle. It's gonna come when we go before him. And you're gonna be judged. Now, one more thing. Listen, one more thing as he thinks about this and as he says this, he says, listen, you and I need to be those people and we need to understand. And then he says this. I love verse seven. Check this out. Cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Oh, is that good or what? Cast all your care. Not, Not part of it. Not some of it, cast it all, past, present, and future. Just give it all to Jesus. Give it to him, and what does it say? He'll be mad at you. (laughs) He'll care for you. You're not gonna do that until you're humble. Because prideful people don't do that. But in humility, you're gonna do that. And again, here's somebody who knows. Peter, Peter knows, check this out. Listen, listen to Peter's life. Peter, casting your care upon him. Remember when his mother-in-law was sick? Who did they call? Jesus, right? That was in Mark chapter one. And in, in, uh, in, in Luke, remember when Peter was fishing and Jesus says, cast your net on the other side? And what did he do? He caught a bunch of fish. And in Matthew chapter 14, remember when Jesus walked up to him on the water and Peter goes, is that you, Lord? If that's you, tell me to come out there. And Peter jumps out of the boat and walks out to Jesus, right? That's like my favorite. That's my favorite thing in the Bible. He just like walks out to Jesus and he's standing on the water and then he goes, what on earth was I thinking out here? And he starts sinking. But nonetheless, he walked on the water, right? So you have that. And then you have, listen, and then you have Jesus as he's, uh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. He, he got money to pay the temple tax in Matthew 17. Now in, in Matthew 14, he walks on the water. And then, listen, in, in Luke chapter 22, remember he cut off the guy's ear? And what did Jesus do? 
I think he did it this way. He goes, oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. He's like your kindergarten kid who draws you a picture. And Jesus goes, you're so cute. And then he goes, and puts the ear back on, right? Cast all your care upon him. And then I think one of the last times, remember when Peter was in prison in Acts chapter 12? And God delivered him out of that prison. Here's a guy who knows, not just, listen, not just talks about, he knows what it is to cast all your care upon him. Peter's done it. And he's saying, listen, you want to do that? You want to have a great Christian life, so to speak? And cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. I believe, listen, I believe that is the watershed issue of Christianity and every other religion. Every other religion teaches that you have to do something for your God. You've got to figure things out. I've been, I've talked about this before. I've been privileged to go around and see some of the different religions up close and personal. I've been on the Ganges River where I've seen what the Hindus do, trying to appease their God, trying to get in that right place. And I might say God's plural, but I've watched what they do. It's not fun, it's not encouraging. I've been to Thailand where they have the Emerald Buddha and I've watched them do weird things with spirit houses and do offerings and shake sticks and all of that trying to figure it out. I've worked with animists in Mexico that climb a mountain to stick an arrow in an agave plant to, to get their God's attention. My God, my God cares for me. My God put on flesh and blood. My God came, died on the cross. I've been to Jerusalem to an empty tomb because my God lives. Cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's a watershed issue. Whenever, listen, whenever I talk to people, I go, what do you have to do to get your God's attention? My God got my attention. Hallelujah. So Peter, right, here's what he's saying. He started with leadership, and we're going, ah, Pat, some of you, I know. Some of you, then the first part, you fell asleep, I know. But then he shifts right into, we all have responsibilities and we all have tremendous privilege because of what our God has done for us. The issue is, are we gonna be humble enough to realize it? We sing that new song tonight, I'm a new creation. Is that true or not? If it's true, then there's a humility that came in your life because you realize something. If you are a new creation, here's what you realize. Your old wasn't that good. And you're new now, and you're new in Christ. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the challenge that we have here. And Lord, what a blessing. What a blessing to be able to read and read from somebody who he walked it. He didn't just talk it, he walked it. And God, I thank you for the challenge he gives us as leadership and the challenge he gives us as, as just servants of Christ involved in the body. And Lord, I do pray that we would, all of us, clothe ourselves in humility. That we would put on that humility and we would not be afraid to come to our God and say, God, I can't. There's no way. I need you. I desperately need you. And that we would rely on our God and that we would love our God and serve our God. I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Man, good night to be here. Listen, you need, to, you need to hear at least this last part. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for you. He didn't just do it as an example. He didn't just do it as a martyr. He did it because he loves you. And that's the only way you can have a relationship with God. There's only one way, and that's through him. 
So to accept what he's done, first of all, you have to put on humility. You have to come to him and admit to him in a humble attitude, yes, God, I am a sinner. I believe we all know we've sinned. That might be hard for us to admit. But you have to let him know you've come to that place where you recognize you are a sinner. And then you need to be sorry for your sin and understand that by sinning, You've violated and and offended a holy and righteous God. And what you deserve from that is his wrath. That's bad news. The good news is that Jesus took that wrath and now he offers you forgiveness. He offers you that relationship with God. All you have to do is take it. You don't have to go into some crazy river. You don't have to worship some emerald Buddha. You don't have to climb a mountain and stick an arrow in some plant. You don't have to, listen, you have to go to a western wall and wail and all you have to do is say, Jesus, I need you and he will come. So if you want to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer, listen, you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it silently. You can say it out loud if you want. But you need to be sincere. It needs to be the cry of your heart. If you're backslidden tonight, man, come home. It's time to front slide. It's time to come back. If you're watching online, say the prayer where you're at. Call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and you will be saved. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now I realize I need forgiveness. So Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you, to be my Lord and my Savior.